Hello, and welcome to the Monthly Comics Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mann. In this episode, we'll be talking about some of the comics we got this month. We'll start with DC, we'll go over to Marvel, and then we'll cover the other publishers. As always, we'll keep major spoilers to a minimum, but we'll cover general plot points and storylines of the comics we discuss. In this monthly comic spotlight, I am joined by James, and we're going to discuss some of the comics we got in December 2022. James, how you doing tonight? I am tired, but actually doing well. How about you, John? Pretty much the same shape. I'm, I'm doing okay, <laughs> but I'm just a little worn out. Yeah, we're work tired. We're not, Nothing on our personal lives or anything, just work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll be honest. I did some stuff over the, uh, the holidays and stuff that got me a little behind, and I read all of the December comics in January. Holy mackerel. So you just crammed them all in. And some of that was intentional. It allowed me to catch up on, you know, some editing I hadn't done for like the Friday episodes and get some of those stockpiled. Uh, Doing the Legion spotlights takes a little longer than I had originally imagined it might. It's fun, but you know. And then it was one of those like, you know, I've got this monthly comic spotlight coming up. I really ought to start reading. Time to plow into it. (laughs) So I did. I did. Normally I go week by week. This time I did that, but I did it with like all of the other publishers, then DC, and then Marvel. Oh, that's cool. Something different. So it kind of worked, kind of worked. And I got a total of 67 comics, I think it was, and okay. 34 of them were Marvel. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I got a lot of Marvel, too. Last month, I think I had a tiny bit less than you or really close. This month, it was up a little bit. I don't know why, but it was 89 that I got. Wow. Yeah. And I hope I didn't log any of the January comics that I did read into this. But yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure <laughs> this is just December. But yeah, 89. But I, I have been steadily trimming back my, my shipments. Even the latest one I'm getting from Cowabunga, I notice it's much lighter in the singles. I might still get some like manga. I might still get some Omnibuy or stuff like that. But it, And that's intentional on my part. I got more Omnibuy in December than I have in most years. I've been noticing. I've been enjoying your little openings, your box openings. It's been enjoyable. Anyone who's not sure what that is, I do videos. I have since comics started shipping again after they shut down during the pandemic. And I post them on Slack. I've also got them up on the website and stuff. It's just a short video of me opening the box and stuff. And then another one where I'm kind of scanning them into the Collector Z software I use. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I, I Like I said, I really enjoy them. And sometimes I'll even comment because you'll and I like your snark, honestly. <laughs> you have the best snark. You'll open it up like, uh, this comic, I think that's in and Sue. I'm not going to complain about that. <laughs> or something, you know, whatever it is. It just, it makes me laugh, your commentary. It's hard not to editorialize sometimes. Hey, I, I'm there for it. I enjoy it. It makes my day. Well, and there's going to be some of that tonight, because there are a couple of things. It's like, you know, this was okay, but if it'd come out, I don't know, on like a timely basis, it might have helped. Yeah. <laughs> so. Shall we dive into DC? Yeah, let's do that. I'm going to filter my list right now. Overall, it was not a bad month for DC, but it also wasn't a terrific month for DC. Yeah, I I would agree with you there. And I already see an error I have. I have two Batman 131s listed, both with the exact same stuff. Well, that's good. If they had different scores, different stuff, that'd be a little worrisome. Yeah, same score. I literally typed kind of different notes, but they're kind of similar. I'm like, why did I do that twice? I'm insane. (laughs) I shifted my notes a while back to basically, I put stuff into my Excel file of what I thought and stuff, and it kicks out an HTML page. It's a little easier for me to 
track, okay, which titles have we talked about and stuff like that. And as I'm doing that, you know, this time it's like, okay, misspelled that title, miskeyed that title. It's like, yeah, you know, it's just, I, I can't type. Yeah. Well, yeah. So this was an interesting month because like you said, there were some things that I really did enjoy because I'm looking at the scores, you know, that I kind of like little, give them a little score so I can pull them out. There's definitely like a chunk that are I'm really enjoying. Some stuff that I'm kind of like, eh, it's going through the motions and seeing it peter out. And then there was a few things that I really didn't enjoy. There's three of them I didn't enjoy. Dare I ask? Batman 130. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty horrible, that whole fail-safe thing. Part of what worked against this one is two issues came out in October, none in November. Which was weird. Why? <laughs> and I'd forgotten kind of where the story left off, which is not a great sign when it leaves off on a major cliffhanger. Yep. And it's like, oh, Batman's about to die in space. I, I should have remembered that. And it goes through a series of things where I'm like, really? Seriously? And wait, that really? Come on. My suspension of disbelief was so fully disengaged, it wasn't even funny. And I got to the end of this thinking, wait, I thought this was the end of the failsafe arc. And I'm like, if so, I mean, that ending stank. Yeah. I'm like, I got to the ending. I'm like, okay, now how are we going to undo this, basically? It makes, it made no sense. It's like, basically, when this failsafe character i hate do you hate the character yeah pretty much i think it's a bad idea i don't like the direction they're going with batman these days yeah me neither what was so bizarre and that was like a note that i had when i got the batman 131 is like zadarsky has some comics that he writes and when he's on it's so good like his Mm -hmm. daredevil run i loved it and then i got to his batman and it just has not been good at all and i know he's a good writer i don't know if he's just a good writer when it comes to independent and with Marvel stuff, and maybe he just doesn't have a grasp at DC, but you would think it would translate somehow. But I mean, okay, failsafe, we're going to create this robot Batman who's better than Batman, who thus can take out the entire Justice League and anyone. He's better than the entire DCU. Why? Why are we doing this? Well, and the fact that Batman couldn't take failsafe out. I mean, to me, creating a failsafe like that is both ridiculous and totally in character for Batman to do. Yeah. But you get into the philosophical conundrum of, could Batman create a foe he couldn't defeat? You would think he'd have a backup plan. Well, but if he had a backup plan, his backup plan would have a backup plan if it's the foe. You know what I mean? Exactly. You're essentially pitting two theoretically indefeatable characters against each other. And that rarely makes for a satisfying conclusion to the story. Yeah, I would, I agree. So it's just... It just left me, left me unsatisfied and I'm disappointed and disengaged, and I didn't enjoy it at all. Well, one thirty I thought was a, a train wreck of a comic, and one thirty one yeah. had to kind of explain away parts of one thirty, how it ended or whatnot, which was sort of interesting. I don't know where they're going, and then the backup for that one, it's like, oh come on, we're going down this road again. I mean, I like the road, I like the character, but do something new. Exactly. It was like one thirty was a comic that was like, this is really bad. And then 131, it's more like, okay, this is okay. But it, it's never it's never getting into that good thing. And this, this is kind of like the DC comic Batman traditionally, you know? And I'm like, man, it's just slipping and sliding and not good things. I, I think Batman 131 read better for me because I had just recently read 130. Yeah. And that was such a train wreck. <laughs> it was. I mean, there, there again, there were parts in there that I'm like, there is no way that could have happened. That just defies... Logic, narrative logic, physical logic, anything, you know, it's like, you know, and it's funny because a lot of the core titles, Batman being one of them, Detective being another, 
they're train wrecks these days. Which is so weird because they have some really like shining stars out there at DC. Uh, like like books and, and writers and creative teams. Well, like, I mean, Ivan Rice is the artist on Detective. He's a brilliant artist. But the book is horrible. <laughs> My comments for Detective 1067, so many captions, so little interest. Yeah. You want to know my notes were on Detective? There mm. aren't any because I canceled it. Oh, geez. Yeah, I can't say I blame you. <laughs> I dropped off. I was like, I'll be back when Ramby's gone. <laughs> I'm just like, I haven't enjoyed one issue that he's written. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm like, I'm trying to physically, and it's hard. And I feel like a hypocrite because I got too deep into Jason Aaron, or I would have cut the Avengers if I was in this mindset now, because I think there's only one more issue. But because that's a little bit hypocritical. But now I'm like, if you are going like, you know, six, 12 issues and they're all just horrible, I'm out. I'll wait for the next creative team at this point because they tend to change that quick. And I don't need to sit there and just go through the motion and waste time when I can read something that I actually like. Well, this is why you're smarter than me. <laughs> but I mean, what really proves the point is I've also got my notes telling me, well, what's the solicitation for the next issue? And like with Detective 1068, it's a special Two Face issue which is split in half artistically with two different artists and, quote-unquote, genius writer Ram V not only devised each page of the story to be a dark reflection of the page facing it, but also of itself from front to back. That just sounds like a gimmick that's not going to work. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did you order it? Oh, yeah, and the one after it. Oh! We all make mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is fun. This is fun. Oh, well, I'm glad I backed out. <laughs> now, what's a, you want to know another one that I didn't like? Sure. Okay, there was two that I was kind of like, I really didn't enjoy. Batman Spawn. Skipped that one myself. Yeah, I think Todd McFarlane, and this is not to be, man, dismissive or mean or anything. I honestly think he's thinking the, po- the point in his career, he should probably give up writing. And I was bored reading it and then distracted, and I, I, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> Let's roll back. To, he should give up writing now. He was an artist. Was yeah. Was ever t- a point where he should have been really doing the writing because he was brilliant at it? I mean, he wasn't horrible necessarily, but he was never terrific at it. No, he's never terrific, and he seems to fancy himself a writer today, and he's really not. I read his spawn, and it just he's not an engaging writer at all. I get bored, and I get distracted reading anything he writes. Part of it for me is his sensibilities are so different from mine. Because, like, I'm an easy mark when it comes to, like, superhero action figures. Yeah. I don't think I've been tempted by, like, a single one of the DC ones he's done. Wow. Wow. Interesting. And that, that ought to be a sweet spot for me. At one point, I was getting, like, every DC Direct thing that was coming out for the action figures. That's crazy. So, just different mindsets. He, he's trying to do something I don't care for, and that's fine. Yeah, and you were smart to skip that one because it was not good. And then... I'm curious what you have to say about Dark Crisis Big Bang, because I I didn't enjoy it. Okay. For me, this was actually the top of the stack for DC. The top of the stack? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Again, somehow I completely missed this in the pre-order cycle. I emailed Eric the day it came out, which was when I first heard about it. And I mean, this is the exact sort of thing I would have done a preview spotlight clip on if I'd known about it, or if it had been in previews or DC Connect or whatever. He got it added to my order, got it to me that week. I thought it was a fun story. Classic DC vibe, thanks to Mark Wade. Yes. Loved the rundown of Earths at the end. Okay. Would love to see, like, Barry's Guide to the Multiverse at some point. That having been said, this should have come out after Dark Crisis number seven, 
And while I liked the kind of two-page splash, you know, listing off the different Earths and stuff, I'll be honest, I was underwhelmed by the length of it. Okay. Because it was only... It wasn't a lot. wasn't all that many more than the 52 we'd gotten before. Yeah. Now, now let me explain why I didn't like it. And this is the part where we can kind of like bicker or (laughs) not bicker. Discuss. Discuss. Yeah. Okay. What I, I read this and I get to the end and it was it was fine, you know, you get the you know the flashes and the derivatives fighting the anti-monitor and that was all good. And I, I enjoyed the art and everything. And then the backup of the worlds, you know, there's many of them that are same, some that I hadn't heard of. And then I started realizing do we need to have Earths for everything? And what I mean by that is like, you know, they, they created that comic, the Jurassic mm-hmm. Justice League, because there was toys coming out. Do we need to create an entire world that is now, because it's in the back of this guidebook, going to be revisited? You know, hang on a sec. That doesn't mean it's going to be revisited. Because let's face it, I would hope not. A lot of these Earths, particularly the the first fifty one or fifty two or whatever, yeah, like the bombshells and weird things. You know, most of those are from the Multiversity Guidebook. Okay, most of those we haven't gone back to since. Good. So this is not to say they're suddenly going to be doing, you know, 100 comics, one on each of these Earths. They're not. But I do think it makes sense to say, okay, that stuff going on with with Icon and the Milestone characters and stuff, that's in the Dakotaverse over here. Okay. The stuff that's happening over with uh, Dark Knights of Steel, that's that's over on this other Earth. Okay, because I have a perpetual fear. Like, sometimes when I'm reading DC Comics... Because I hadn't read it for a long time, I mean, we get the comics that people love, and you get a, you know that pan shot of 200 characters on a page, and you're able to point them out and know who they are, and this is Earth this, Earth that, Earth this, Earth that, and I'm just like, I mentally at that point, I kind of check out. I'm like, oh, this is, it's like overwhelming, you know? This is too much. I don't want to know this. Can't we just have Earth? <laughs> um, kind of like it, like the Spider-Verse. If we, if, if we had to have this, you know, like the Indian Spider-Man and the eight-legged Spider-Man and the, you know, the weird variants they have all the time in the Spider-Verse and you mm-hmm. just hate them. I- I'm like, I, I don't want to have to keep re-seeing these characters and knowing what Earth they're from and have it well, matter anyway in the story. I-, I think you're looking at it from maybe the wrong perspective. Okay. It would be like going to a large company, getting a tour with it from, you know, the head of HR, the CEO, some somebody who who literally knows everybody. And they're going down the hall saying hi to everybody. And you're like, oh my God, it's overwhelming. There's so many names. I don't yeah. care about all these people. It's like, you don't need to. Ah, okay. All right. You know, it, it comes down to, you know, again, one of the earths they've got listed here is the Superman Jr., Batman Jr. stuff, which is the classic Super Sun stuff from World's Finest back in the day. Now, they have not revisited that world, but once since the 70s. Okay, so it's not stuff that I'm going to have to know. See, no, I, I, none of this me, is stuff you have to know. Yeah, good. See, my, my my concern going forward is like one day, you know, the, this will be referenced, you know, from here on. And, and I don't want to read about DC versus Vampire's World. I, I, I didn't enjoy the story that much as it was, you know, or the Jurassic League world or this world or that world. So for me, it does become overwhelmed. But that helps it make sense for me because at times I do, I feel overwhelmed when we get those splash pages. I'm like, why are there 37 Supermans? And, and there's not, but there's some. 
and this one's from this earth, this one's from this earth, and you got to tell this one because the temples are gray, and then there's presidents. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, but some of this is, is Easter eggs and acknowledging the past. Yeah, I'd like a nod to it. I don't have to know it, though. There was a comic over in Marvel where one of the things I enjoyed about it was something that was almost utterly incidental to the story. It was just there were some nice Easter eggs in it. Yeah. And for me, what they're doing here with this this two-page thing of Here Are All the Earths is basically organizing their toys on the shelf. That's not to say they're going to go play with every one of them or that we may even see some of these ever again. But they're organized so that one day, if it needs to be referenced, it can. Yeah. Well, it could have been anyways, but now we could at least have some consistency on it. Okay, then that I'm okay with, because you can see when I got to the end, I was just so, I almost get anxiety that I'm going to have to know stuff, and I don't want to research it, and I don't want to have to know you know all that stuff in that list. Generally speaking, there are no quizzes on this. When there are, they're <laughs> usually called trivia contests. That's true. <laughs> and it's okay to lose those. I would lose consistently. <laughs> that having been said, I have seen Mark Wade, the writer of this, mop the floor with almost all comers and stuff when it comes to trivia and things like that. Yeah. Th- that was the weirdest book, though, that you and I read because it was never solicited. It yeah. was never in any solicits. It wasn't in a DC Connect. Well, it was never in DC Connect. I don't know if it was in some kind of off-solicitation thing. I don't even know if Lunar and DC do that these days. Yeah, it, it just – you heard about it and contacted Eric, and he hooked you up. And I sent him a message on Slack. I'm like, hey, I never heard of all He's like, yeah, I kind of figured you'd be looking forward to after John reached out. I threw one in your box. I'm like, thank you, John, for reaching out. <laughs> Very so, nice of Eric. Yeah, yeah. He got it to me so fast. It was funny. Yeah, he's like, boom, it's it's there. So, But I mean, honestly, it wasn't a bad read. It was more like sometimes I, I feel like anxiety that I feel like I have to know it, but I guess I don't have to. And I, I like to just enjoy stories and I don't want to have to be that guy. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, but like – you know, being on a podcast, people all ask me a question. I'm like, man, I don't, I really don't know that. <laughs> Go ask John or ask someone else because, like, I, I don't know the the in depth. I'm more like, I'm, I'm more an enjoyable reader. I have some knowledge. I'm not the encyclopedia. I'm really not. Well, a few people like Mark Wade, maybe Tom Brevoort, and a few others aside, most people, nobody knows all this stuff. Yeah, it's 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 a bit much. It's, I'm gonna say it's borderline impossible. Yeah. Because some of this stuff contradicts itself. Some of it stretches back 80 plus, 85 years in some cases. Yeah. Nobody has read all of this. And I will include the writer of all of the Marvels, which claims to have read 27,000 plus Marvel comics and read them all. And I'm like, I, I question that. Yeah. I, I disbelieve that. Maybe he did, but I read his book. I sure didn't see proof of it. it it's just, it's too much. I agree. I mean, I've, I've got nearly 70,000 comics. I've read the overwhelming majority of them. Not all of them. I've got some back issues I literally have not read. That's cool. I've got more to read. Great. But my brain can't hold all this stuff. It, it's, it's too much. It, it got past that, you know, a decade or two back, probably. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I was kind of surprised, but now talking to you, I feel better about it. Like, you know, I was surprised, oh, we're creating a Jurassic League Earth, and then the bombshells, the Dakotaverse deceased earth but i mean it, it's cool now it makes sense for organizing it to say which is what they were saying in the, a while back it all you know kind of happened and stuff like that and you just put it on the different multiverses and it doesn't really impact the stories we're reading right now have you ever visited new york city 
Yes, but I was pretty young. Did your head explode because you couldn't remember and know all of the addresses of the places? It did not. <laughs> Same idea. Okay, that, now I feel good. You need to give them an address in case somebody wants to talk about it later and say, yeah, yeah, these characters from Earth thus and so. Yeah, and it's kind of a, tip, a nod and a tip of the hat to the people who do really enjoy knowing the you know minute details of all this stuff. Well, and I will give Mark Wade some credit for having a clever way to include not only giving Earth a number, but what comic they came out of and finding a way to do that kind of in-story, if you will. Yeah, it was kind of cool. So it, it's some good stuff. Now, I spent a lot of time on that one book. What else did you like? Because I have some stuff I like, but I'll let you go first. Superman, Son of Kal-El, I thought was, was interesting. I'm kind of curious where that goes. Yep. That was, that was kind of fun. Stargirl, Lost Children. I like that one. I uh, haven't seen the Arrow Cave in decades. There was one thing about one of the characters that felt more Marvel than DC. Kind of the, the child minder character reminded yeah. me of, of Nanny from uh, over at the X part of the Marvel Universe. Now that you say it, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> what else was particularly good? There were a few other things that were satisfying. What did you think of, and did you get Tales from Earth-6, A Celebration of Stan Lee? I did get it. It was a mix because, it, once again, it's the anthology. I felt like you know Mark Wade. I think he wrote Superman, mm -hmm. and, and I, I really enjoyed that story. There was a couple of the stories at the beginning that I really enjoyed. The middle ones were okay, and then it seemed like they tailed off and they weren't very good near the end. But overall, it was kind of cool because I knew the characters and we had just read them and reviewed them. And so it was different. I mean, they, their voices were different than Stan Lee. That's almost a given. Plus, it's 20 years later. It's 20 years later, but it, it, was, it was a nice exercise, but it, some of them were kind of short. There were, you know, Superman was a lengthy one. But some of them, you know, I felt like they had like six pages. It wasn't very much. It's just like, here I am. Boom, gone. Well, 100 pages, and they did like 10 features plus the who's who pages? Yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a little bit of a mixed mix bag. But I liked how they were bringing in other DC stuff. We got the 100, which was led yep. by Tobias Whale in the DCU from, you know, it's a Black Lightning Superman thing. We got that with Batman. Flash's father being the police commissioner of Gotham City. Kind of funny. Yep. There were a few things. I mean, it was 20 years for us. It seemed to be almost on the heels of it for some of the characters. Getting to see Jim Olsen in the Superman story was kind of fun. Yeah, I think if I was a person who I hadn't read the the back issues that we did, like a, a week or two earlier when we did those, I think I probably would have been like, what the heck is this? <laughs> this, this is bizarre. I mean, it, I mean, it's cool. I mean, it made sense when you read the backup, you know, the character profile sheets, but it had been so weird. Well. Those character profile sheets are the same who's who pages from The Secret Files. Yep. Complete with the huge mistake in the Aquaman page. Yeah. <laughs> with Frank being in a wheelchair. He was never in a wheelchair. <laughs> never. Why is, that, why is he in a wheelchair? Was... Yeah. So some of these, I think, were more fun than others. Overall, it was good. I think it was more accessible to a new reader than I would have expected. That having been said, there is zero way in a five to ten page story you could possibly get somebody enough up to speed versus the forty page story they all got back in the the original run. Exactly. It it was probably it was new reader friendly, but by the time you were just starting to get a feel for the character, you were out. Yeah. And it, so it it felt really choppy, and, and that's the nature the, the nature of the beast when you get an anthology, you know. Yeah, for an anthology, it was good, but it still had a lot of the failings of an anthology. Exactly. 
I did find it funny that Aquaman and Catwoman were not on the cover, and it was a wraparound cover. Yep. <laughs> and Adam was, but never showed up in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. But it was it was a good read, and the 100-year birthday of Stan Lee, so he's definitely missed. Yeah, definitely well worth celebrating. Yeah. Now, I was going to tell you a few that I enjoyed, unless you still had some more. I'm sorry. No, keep going. Go ahead. Okay. Did you like Nightwing 99? Yeah, it was fun. Okay, I, I liked it. You know, Zuko came to pressure Melinda uh, into mm-hmm. joining him and taking over the power vacuum. So that that was kind of cool. And then basically, I, there was like some twist in there and stuff. And you know, trying to t- basically the hold. I, I like that whole concept of like that little rep- depository where everyone's able to store their stuff. Mm-hmm. And they go in there to make a, make a heist, basically. <laughs> and they're like, you don't get out of here. You don't break into the hold. But that was really kind of cool. I, I thought it was fun. And I, at the very ending about Nightwing finding out about something with the with the hold. Well, if they have something of his. Yeah, I think that could be, play into something kind of cool. It could, but my interest in that is balanced against the fact that we're two and a half years into the Heartless stuff and it's barely moved forward. Yeah, we didn't get any Heartless here. Yeah. So I think this was a good issue. It set the stage for number 100 without really telegraphing anything specific. Yeah. And I think Tom Taylor's doing a good job laying down some breadcrumbs here and there, but there are certain parts of it where he needs to follow up on them a little faster. I agree. Did you like the Dark Knights of Steel number nine? Because we hadn't got it, and then we don't know if anything solicited after this. I know there's more comics, but did, did you enjoy it? I thought it was a really interesting twist in the story. I did too. I think this is a series we may want to do a back issue spotlight on after it's done. I agree, because I think it's going to read so much better when you can read it back to oh, back yeah. back without the, oh, I got an issue five months ago. What's going on again? <laughs> yeah, I think the delays are killing this book for me. It's certainly not helping it at all. No, because I get it. And I'm like, this is a really amazing issue, but I still kind of forget what happened at the beginning because it's over a year now. Yeah. Well, and again, they had a, a nice pivot point here or twist with a character or whatever. And I'm like, you know, I didn't see that coming, but it makes perfect sense. And I see, you know, where he's kind of going with this potential or what he's doing here, I guess is the better way to say it. But I don't think issues 10, 11, or 12 have been solicited yet. Which, why is it? still delayed. That's so bizarre. Well, that means we may have a three-month delay for the next issue. God. Uh, yeah, we'll do a back-issue spotlight in 2024 when this series is finished. If we're lucky. <laughs> if we're lucky, yeah. This is turning into another, uh, what was that DC one that we did where they're introducing... That was Doomsday Clock, wasn't Doomsday it? Clock, yeah. Oh my god. That was horrible. <laughs> I mean, just the delays. It's like, well, oh my god. This ended on a great moment, which I may actually forget by the time I get to the next issue. Yep, and it was a really cool moment. <laughs> Another one I want to ask you about, Dark Crisis number seven. It was the finale of Dark Crisis. I was going to say, we got to talk about that and Warzone. First off, with Dark Crisis number seven itself, you look at that cover, there are like 10 people credited on it. Yeah. What? What is that? <laughs> that That's not a good sign. No, it's not. <laughs> and there was a thing where it's like, okay, Black Adam, how did he do what he did? I mean, interesting, but huh? Yeah. And it's not that this issue didn't really land the ending for me, and to be clear, it did not, but that the event never really came together for me at all through the seven issues plus sprawling other stuff. It was very bizarre that it seemed like it was the event that didn't seem like it was going anywhere, didn't stick a landing, and I don't know why they made this a crisis. I don't know why this happened. It it was just weird. I mean, there were a few moments here and there that were good, but it was not anything like Crisis on Infinite Earths or Infinite Crisis or Zero Hour. 
it had all of the trappings of a crisis without the heart and the soul and, it, for me at least, the excitement of it. Now, I'm sure there are other people who loved it. That's great. Different things, different people. Awesome. Yeah. And it's like, okay, there's this big change at the end, but it doesn't really feel like anything's really changed even with that. I agree. You know, we saw Grant Morrison's multiverse drawing was kind of reinstated in the comic, which I think is cool. But yeah, at the end, I'm like, are we done? And is this what's happening? Are we going to go this direction? Which is what I thought. I don't know. I thought that was like part of the, when Dan DiDio was there, like we're going this direction. The five gen stuff. Five gen. I was like, it feels or it seems kind of like that direction. And are, is that what we're really doing? They're saying this launches the dawn of the DCU, but I don't really see a clear... I mean, coming out of Crisis, things were different. There was no two ways about it. Yeah. You know, coming out of Zero Hour, coming out of uh, a few of the others, there were some definite differences. Here, it doesn't really seem like it... I mean, yes, we got a character here and there that are new or changed or whatever, but no more so than any other story almost. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, it was... It didn't seem like anything was changed other than we're doing, we're attempting to do a replacement. Even that doesn't seem like any more than we would have had of... It, it doesn't need a crisis to happen for that to happen. <laughs> it didn't feel like crisis level repercussions, even though technically there were such. Yeah. And we're, we're literally back to an infinite multiverse, hence the Big Bang having should have been after this. But neither of them felt all that different than when we just had 52 worlds or what have you. It didn't seem like a seismic, things will never be the same again moment. I agree. So, I mean, it was kind of like, it wasn't bad either. It's just, it was un- unfulfilling as an event. Yeah. Well, in the Warzone special, the story at the beginning with Linda and Iris and stuff was fun. Yeah. I like Linda's costume, but it looks too much like Jake Eric's. It feels like she should be his husband, not Wally's. <laughs> I think hers should be based on Wally's Kid Flash costume. That would make sense. Just change up the colors a little and you've got it. Yeah. Some of the stuff in the middle stories, it's like, I guess we're going to get a spec miniseries soon, maybe? And there was one thing in the Amazon story. There was a character that was kind of behind Nubia on a two-page splash that sort of looked like it could have been a Wonder Girl, but it shouldn't have been because I don't think that one's still active or whatever. It's like, who is this? I don't know. I was getting bored by that. Yeah. One of the stories that had a really long title, the art was just way too cartoony. I think that was the Green Lantern one. Yep. Seeing Red Canary teaming up with Black Canary was fun. I don't know where they're going with Red Canary, but I'm hoping Mark Wade has a plan. I just thought it was a mixed bag there. The first and last were were fine, but I could have skipped the middle three. Yeah, I I would agree with you there. But again, anthology. That's the nature of the beast. (laughs) Now, two other things I'll just mention real quick that I did enjoy. I enjoyed World's Finest 10. Uh, They're really amping up this Boy Thunder. They're trying to make him a big part of something in the future. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll we'll see what they do with them. But and then Action 1050, I did enjoy. It, it was kind of like a preview of the new Superman books, and they're like, read this here, read this here, type thing. So I think that'll be cool because I'm going to read the Tom Taylor book, which is going to be whatever that the new title is, and it's not going to be Superman, Son of Kal El. Now it's like I don't I don't remember honestly for the life of me. Adventures of Superman, John Kent, maybe that title. Yeah, Williamson's writing the regular Superman book, so. It was just kind of the intro to the new Superman stories, and I, I did enjoy it. Okay, with Action Comics, you go to the opening credits, there were around 40-plus names on there, not counting Siegel and Schuster, even. It was insane. It was nuts. <laughs> yeah. Lex doing what he did, impressive, curious. Yep. 
the backup seems to kick off the John Kent story. Mm-hmm. Backup two, we get a, a new body from Metallo, which seemed a little fast or whatever. Good. I'm excited about where they may be going with the Superman family. I hope it plays out. I hope it's fun. But man, some of the covers I've seen where we've got, you know, better part of a dozen people all with the Superman symbol on them. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Going back to Batman Superman World's Finest for a second. Did not see the final page reveal coming. Yeah, I did not either. Not really sure if it makes sense or not, but this is Mark Wade. If he's got a plan, I'm willing to go with it. And it does give me an idea for a potential back issue spotlight. I don't want to say what for fear of spoiling story aspects for people. But I think if you get to that reveal and understand that reveal, you would know exactly what I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. You'll be giving me the comics to read, I'm sure. (laughs) We'll figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) So did you read the Jon Stewart Emerald Knight one shot? Was that good? Well, it was following up on the Green Lantern title that ended back in April. Yeah, which I canceled I, uh, the Green Lantern title. I wasn't enjoying it back then. So much time had elapsed, it was hard for me to remember where things left off. Yeah, okay. I'm not sure if that left off before or after or concurrent with him dying with the Justice League, so that's confusing. The first caption, it starts like two years later. I'm like, two years later than what? <laughs> <laughs> two years later than six months ago, no. <laughs> I don't know. It was a decent read. I have no idea where they're going with this. Me neither. I I didn't like what they did with him to start with, so I was like, eh, I'm not reading this. <laughs> this should have happened right on the heels of the series ending back in April. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't pick it up because I dropped it because I didn't like what was going on back then whenever I dropped it. I can't remember when, but yeah, so I didn't miss much. No, nah, not really. All right. And then there's some other stuff that's just average, but that was pretty much it. Batman versus Robin? Oh, Batman versus Robin. I did like that. That was my second favorite one. It was a fantastic issue. I'm sorry. I thought I already talked about it. No. And I, I, that was an awesome fight between Batman and, and Robin. And it appears to be they might have to roll that back. Well, this miniseries has been way better than I had originally expected. And I did not go in with high expectations, admittedly. Yeah. And I'm really hoping Lazarus Planet, which is kind of part and parcel of this, can kind of continue that trend. Yeah. I, I really loved it. You get to see Batman donning. A mask, I'll just say that. And it was really kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it had some fun stuff. Yeah, I'm not going to say what mask, because I'll leave that to people to read. But it was it was kind of cool, and it seemed like it was like an opening towards the Lazarus Planet stuff that's going on. Absolutely, absolutely. I think Mark Wade is playing stuff out between here, Batman Superman, World's Finest, and some of the stuff he set up and some of the Dark Crisis stuff. So He's got a game plan. I don't think he's just writing a title at DC. I think he's back in the fold, which is where he belongs. Yeah, he feels like he's becoming an architect very quickly. Yeah. And I kind of hope that I'm not lost because I'm getting the Lazarus Planet Alpha, the Omega, or whatever it's called, the ending. I'm not getting those interim stories. But then I am going to pick up the War of the Gods or whatever that's called, at the that little miniseries that spins off of it. I'd have to double check, but I think I went ahead and went all in on that on the faith on Mark Wade. Yeah. Now, he's not writing all of them, so maybe that faith is literally misplaced. Yeah. <laughs> but it shows promise, and I'm curious. Yeah. Anything he's writing, though, is fantastic, really. He, he's just a terrific writer. Mr. Consistent. Shall we move over to Marvel? Yeah. I'm going to filter my list. I got so many things over here. It's insane. You got more than me, because I only got, I think I only got 28. Yeah, I got 34. Holy mackerel. A fair number of them were in the... This is this is pretty good. Okay. One thing really stood out above the rest. All right. And what was that for you? It was X-Men Annual number one. Oh, okay. 
And it was funny because I'm looking at the cover and it's got two characters and one of them, that's Cyclops. That's obvious. The other one, I'm like, well, that could be Firestar. That could be Jean Grey Phoenix. I don't know. It's Cyclops. It almost, you, I would just default to, to Jean Grey. No, it was Firestar. Ah. I have liked Firestar since before she showed up in the pages of Marvel Comics. Nice. She originated on the Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends show like four years before she showed up in the Marvel Comics universe over in X-Men, I think it was 193. Now, I say that as if I'm just remembering it off the cuff. No, I have this in my notes. I looked it up. Thank God. I thought you were walking inside. I was like, how do you know this? Wikipedia, Google, I mean, come on. Thank God. It was just a great issue focusing on her and her almost on-again, off-again relationship with the X-Men and the mutants and stuff. So I, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was a ton of fun. Very cool. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you the ones that I really enjoyed. There was three. Mm-hmm. And I'll go through them slowly. And one I think you didn't enjoy. Okay, I liked Punisher number eight, which I know you didn't get. The series is really good. The main Punisher book is setting up the war between Ares and the Hand slash Beast. We get a sword that was shattered in there. Uh, We get more insights into Frank's past and who he is. Because Frank's past really is like a blank slate until the stuff that we've seen revealed in this comic. Which Mm -hmm. is, you you just see him in Vietnam and that's that's all you see. You don't get Frank from before. You get Maria's background. You get whoever thought the Punisher doesn't use guns any longer. You, you you run away from this too soon because yeah, the Punisher uses guns. I'll just leave it at that. I also really enjoyed Planet Hulk Worldbreaker. That one you did get number two. Yes, I did get that. Did you like it? It was a little slowish story wise. Interesting reveal. Curious how the original Hulks kind of lived so long. But yeah, it was fun. It was interesting. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how they live a thousand years. I'm like maybe this is a different world, a different. You know, multiverse, I don't know. But yeah, a thousand years and they're all still alive. But yeah, the Sentinels going after the green screen offspring is kind of cool. And I lo- I really like the reveal. It's kind of like Greg Pak revisiting all the best characters from his run. Yeah, yeah. And I'm taking this as being in continuity. Yeah, me too. That's what I am. So. so I'm assuming these are the legit versions and stuff. And I'm, I'm curious where it goes and if it's going to be set up to where they could do more with this later if they wanted to. Yeah, I agree. So Hulk lives a millennia, just FYI. <laughs> and well, then, uh, as with any future, it's a, technically going to be an alternate future. While it's currently set in the current continuity, anything could happen later to bounce it out. Exactly. Now, one that I did enjoy, which I think you probably didn't, is I like Fantastic Four number two. Did you not like that? I I liked it for what it was and disliked it for what it wasn't. I mean, it was I, I f- know what you mean. <laughs> it was a fun story with Reed and Sue. It, well, it really was. I'm still waiting for the Fantastic Four stories to start in this series. Uh, we're hoping at issue four. <laughs> I was going to say, I know it's not next issue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, I, for, for Reed and Sue's story, I thought it was really kind of cool. And it shows that Doom does have you know a kind side mm-hmm. with his Doom bots, which I thought was really clever. The little town, and because it, basically he cared so much about this person and how he pro, you know, did the programming with the Doom bots. I, I just thought it was really clever, and it was just a fun, feel-good story, even though there's like you know, fighting and stuff that happens in there. You come out of it feeling really good. At the same time, it's not a Fantastic Four story. It's a Fantastic Two story. Yeah, yeah. that That's where it fell apart. I mean, not fell apart, but it was good for what it was. But Fantastic Four, you're making me wait so many issues to get to the Fantastic Four. Not amused. Yeah. The one thing that I don't like with Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, and with Fantastic Four is we had this 
seemingly time jump and status quo change. And I need them to fill in the blank because why did this happen? We still don't know with either book. It feels like the same stunt they pulled coming out of Secret Wars, where everything jumped forward an arbitrary number of months. I forget if it was eight or whatever it was. You know, oh, Spider-Woman's pregnant. This has happened over here. That's happened over there. How? What led to this? And it felt like they were stalling to the point where people had kind of forgotten the questions. And then just, uh, in some cases, never really answer them, or it doesn't matter if they do. So there'll be a summer event spinning out of this. Not necessarily. It's just a matter of play for time and then pivot to something else and hope people don't notice. Yeah, that's a thing I, that, that I really don't enjoy because that's frustrating a little bit that I'm reading and I'm like, if they draw it out too long, you don't care anymore. You mm-hmm. just, you're, you're checked out. I'm like, I'm okay, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's other things I enjoyed, but those were the top ones. Was this the new Miracle Man? Because I, Miracle Man, the Silver Age number three, was that the new, that, yeah, that's the new material. It's the unpublished material. The unpublished. Okay, not the new, new one. The reason I want to specify that is at the back of it, and I love this. First off, I thought the issue was a solid read. I really appreciated that they included scans of the original issue version from 1993. Yeah. And man, I'd love to see them do a special edition with kind of both sets of the pages side by side of, you know, here's page one, face to face, old and new, flip page two, flip page three, because there are no double page splashes, I think. Yeah. So you could do that. And then this would be a, a fun director's cut kind of a thing they could do, get some stuff from, from New Game into the, you know, here's what I was thinking. Here's what we changed. Here's why. Same with Buckingham. It, this was this was some fun stuff. It was fun, and I really enjoyed it. the The part that was weird to me is how issue two left off. That that wasn't addressed at all. It just he kind of wakes up in this this new place, you know, on a mountaintop, mm-hmm. and let's let's go for a hike. <laughs> so I just want to see how that played out, what happened, and I just will have to be patient. Wait. Yes, it's just it. It's not going to be immediate. It looks like it just needs a little time to to make it happen. Yeah, but it was a good read. I did enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. A- anything that you liked? I mean, I could throw out more stuff, but there was a few more, but you got a lot more than me. A lot of it was just kind of good, but not great. That's how I felt. Like the best ones were like maybe Daredevil. Oh, we got a new Invincible Iron Man. Did you buy that? I got that. I liked it. I'm not sure where it's going, but it was a good read. It was a good read. It was much better than what came before, but it's also an issue one, so I got to see if it can play out. And I'm glad that he still has money. He's not ultra wealthy, but I'm glad they didn't make him impoverished because I get tired of seeing that. They're definitely going for a different direction than where they'd been going. I'm just wondering if it's a road that the character's been down before. Yeah. So I'm hoping for good things, but did you get the new Miles Morales? That was a new number one. I skipped that. Okay. It was a decent start to the new series for me. Um, I miss Saladin Ahmed now because I was really enjoying his writing, but it's Miles being Miles, like the young Peter from, that mm-hmm. we see back in the day. And he has a fight with Scorpion in here. It was a decent read. And how long will it keep me? We'll see with the new writer if he keeps me on board. But it was it was a decent issue. Did you like Mary Jane and Black Cat? That one I thought was fun. It was a little confusing. Yep. Basically, I'm wondering if, if Mary Jane is jackpot now. Oh, okay. Yeah. If so, how did that happen? And I'd need to go reread the jackpot stuff from... Uh, how many years ago? It was definitely pre-pandemic. I want to say five, maybe more years ago to remember either version of that character because it seems like a different power set. Yep. But it was something that was teased in a free comic book day special one year as if it were Mary Jane. It's now just looks just like her. And it was a fun read, which is what I expected out of Judd McKay these days for this stuff. Interesting to see Belasco and Stutch. 
And part of this is tying into the whole dark web stuff that I've got mixed feelings on. So I'm not crazy about that part, but these two teaming up definitely has some potential. And you know, just as a black cat story, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I will tell you that that whole dark web thing, when it, it's spilling into Amazing Spider-Man, I, or taking it over, I should say, not spilling into, I, I don't like it at all. <laughs> I, it's, it's grating on me. I used to love Ben Riley back in the day when he first came out. I liked him as the Scarlet Spider. Yeah, same here. I don't like this new. I can't. What it, what is the character called? I can't even remember. Chasm is what. Chasm. I'm yeah, Chasm. I can't stand it. The coloring, the way he acts. I, I, I'm just. I'm done with that. I mean, I'm. I'm seeing it through, but it's. It's annoying. With the two Amazing Spider-Man issues, I have no idea what's going on with Venom. Nor do I really care. Yep. There wasn't much X-Men in the issue, which is a little weird since it's supposed to be crossing over with them. I, not good or bad, but I mean. It's just the nature of a crossover story. And then with, with 16, Chasm's new power is is really weird and ill-defined. And then where the story kind of left off with, with Peter and stuff, it's like, I don't really care for that. And then when we get to the, the, the various Dark Web things themselves, because we had the first issue and then two issues of Dark Web X-Men. Dark Web number one, it was an okay start to the story. i just not overly excited about the, yeah. the nature of the crossover. And then when I got to Dark Web X-Men, I'm like, finally, we're getting Spider-Man and the X-Men. I, there was a, a fun panel of, of Spider-Man, Iceman, and Firestar, you know, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yeah. Which was almost immediately undercut with a s- remark of Spider-Man not wanting to do that team up again. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not good. Uh, and then the, the second issue of, of Dark Web X-Men, it was just kind of middle chapter. It was decent, but, you know, not something you could just read in and of itself. Yeah, I agree. Another book that was kind of weird, but it's in that spider vein, is Gold Goblin. When the first issue came out, I mm. I enjoyed it, but we got the second issue, and it's just an okay story now. It ties into Dark Web, but like I feel like this whole book, as I'm seeing it, it seems like it's being set up to undo the Sin Eater stuff. Yeah, let, let, let's let's make him a psycho again and and have the Green Goblin back. I I'm, I see where they're going with it. I mean. I hope I'm not spoiling the book, but you can kind of, it's telegraphed there. I, I definitely think that's the case. But the other thing that stood out to me as I was reading that one is it really feels like the overall timeline of Dark Web isn't consistent across titles. It really isn't. It's all over the place. It feels like certain events are taking place in different orders in different books. Yep. And if you don't read it in the right order, which I don't know the order to read it in, you're kind of up the creek. Or But that's my point. Even if you read them in what the right order, because I was going through the checklist they had. Oh, and it's still messed up. <laughs> one book seems to have event A happening after event B, and the other one seems to have it in the other order. Oh, great. Or maybe it was just, I don't know. I, that's how it seemed to me, at least. Yeah, I, I, I'm not getting all of them, so I, hopefully I'm missing that stuff. <laughs> I'm getting all the books I was getting anyways, but I wasn't picking up anything just for it. So I'm not getting the Dark Web, Ms. Marvel. I'm not getting the Venom stuff, and yeah. I'm not sure what else is part of it that I'm skipping. That's kind of like me. I, I checked out on all that stuff. But I mean, it, it, overall, it's like there was a few good things there, but it seemed like more Marvel, it seemed like for the month of January, it was just kind of like, blah, you know? Did you read Immortal X-Men number nine? I did. And I want to stress the T in Immortal because there's an upcoming Immoral X-Men. Yes. That's not confusing. <laughs> yeah. I thought this was a fun issue in which Sinister makes his first move against the Quiet Council repeatedly. A nice time loop kind of a thing. Interesting how that was set up, where it was going. Some of the X-Books have some some really good stuff going on. Others, not, not so, so much. 
Yeah, that's true. Some of them are really not good. Have you been reading Exterminators? No, I canceled that one. <laughs> oh yeah, that that one's setting a, a new bar of quality for comics. Now, granted, <laughs> it's a low bar for the most juvenile comic, but a bar nonetheless. <laughs> I mean, some of that, it's like, come on, just that bad. Yeah, yeah. Not and that short that it's not worth dropping. Yeah, you you know, I'm really surprised with you know how they kind of restarted a lot of the X books. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, they kept Wolverine going and X-Force going, and I'm just surprised. I'm like, is it just because Percy's writing them and he's, don't renumber me? Let's let's talk about those for a second, because in X-Force 35, and spoiler here, Beast's private space prison is discovered. Yeah. (laughs) And this may be the last one of this that I've I've ordered, because I don't have any more in pre-order. And then with Wolverine, I just came to the conclusion that the X-Office, or at least Benjamin Percy, does not seem to think too highly of the Beast, because the stuff going on here is going to make it kind of hard to use that character later. They're making the Beast horrible. Oh yeah, it's an interesting story, but not one that could possibly end well for the Beast. I mean, to, to the point that there was a comment in one of the other books, it might have been Immortal X-Men, where Sinister was talking to the Dark Beast, if you're not even the darkest of the Beasts these days. Which is insane. Oh yeah, but so true. Yeah. But like with the Wolverine thing, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, Wolverine's actually the focal character of the story, but it's really the Beast's story. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting, but I just don't know where they're going, and it seems like they're making the Beast character somewhat toxic to use later. Yeah, it seems like Percy's going in and out of these books like it's one book, and they're not. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but I guess they're just letting him do what he wants to do, which I would not say is the best thing. Well, it's a little better than kind of what's going on with the New Mutants, which I'm pretty sure you dropped. I dropped it. Yeah, that's not on my list. <laughs> I mean, we got 32 and 33. 32 was okay, but expected me to remember some past issues that I'd kind of forgotten. 33 was kind of the end of the arc, and it came to me that the title's okay, but the more they're drifting from kind of the classic New Mutants, the less I'm kind of interested in it, and the more they're expecting me to remember plot points from five months ago in the title, it doesn't hold together for me. No, if they make it difficult to read... You're going to lose me. I'm just, I'm ADD enough and I'm old enough to where it's hard enough to keep focus, but keep focus to something that happened five months ago, six months ago, a year ago. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And then you better do a really good job at catching me up, which the writer seems to do, honestly. Did you pick up Extreme X-Men? I did not. That's another one I didn't get. Did you get it? I did see you got it. We got first two issues of this. uh, What did you think of it? Uh, First off, some really good art by LaRocca, good-ish, I say ish, because there seemed to be like an outline around the figures. Huh. Like it had the black line, but then like a gray one or light blue one around it, which almost made the art feel a little like blurry-ish. It was, it was weird. Okay. One or two places where he had light blue text on white, and I'm like, dude, not easy to read. But these two issues, again, classic art style with LaRocca, hard to go wrong there, generally speaking. I, granted, I just pointed out where I think they did. But the writer, Chris Claremont. Oh, yeah. And this is set, I think, back in the extreme X-Men days, and it makes for a very interesting counterpoint to the current Krakoa era, both in terms of the nature of the stories, the, the storytelling techniques and stuff like that, because there's a lot more going on in these issues than in, say, you know, Exterminators or some of the others. And granted, I think Immortal X-Men had plenty going on this month. But if you're looking for a little more old-school style X-Men with a Claremont bent, yeah. This is worth checking out, I think. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of skipped it. I, I was like extreme X-Men. I was thinking 90s, and I was thinking pouches. 
<laughs> no, no, no. And all the weirdness, I was like, uh, I'm not reading this. <laughs> it does have a little bit of a dated feel with the leather jackets, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's also picking up off the Kitty Pride and Wolverine miniseries from, uh, I want to say, the 80s. So not bad. Interesting. Yeah. I, I get into these fits of I need to cancel stuff, and I refuse to add it, new stuff at that time. I was like, I'm not adding it. <laughs> I can totally understand that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Needless to say, that was one of them that didn't make the cut. But I'll tell you what. One other thing I was going to mention that's kind of interesting. We got Thor number 29. Mm-hmm. It seems to be get, building up to the end of the series that Jason Aaron had alluded to in his run. Mm-hmm. And there's a new writer on it named, I think his name's Torin Bronbeck. And he's not as good as Aaron and Kate. So the book, it's fallen out of my like B's to A's categories to more like C pluses, you know, uh. with, the, with, with the new writer. It's still decent material. I'm still enjoying it. It's just, he. I don't think he's as good of a writer now. Maybe he'll get better over time. I don't know. But Kate's is off of everything now he's not on any ongoing books other than one image which makes me think one he's either got a big thing that he's working on maybe for the summer or something like that or he's just gone indie but since you haven't seen any announcement that he's no longer at marvel i think he's working something interesting but there's there's no yeah no current books right now yeah so anyways to be seen so one last book i want to talk about over at marvel because i have not talked about the one that had all the easter eggs yeah yeah that was actually damage control number five Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's another book I'm not getting. What did you think of it? Well, in this one, they've got a character, Gus, who's been bounced around like every part of damage control, and he's been messing up big time. They finally put him off in the deep storage vault, which is where they they store all the big dangerous stuff, because that seems like a good plan. (laughs) But as we're going through this underground warehouse and such... You know, there are little names on all the crates, not all of them, but some of the crates. So we got stuff from AIM, Oscor, Parker Industries, Pimtech, Girl, Hammer, Stark Industries, Hydra, Roxxon, Brevoort Dynamics. I thought that was just kind of funny. <laughs> Shield, Stake, Sword, Strike, Rand. One box that was labeled Cree, crossed out, Skrull, crossed out, Cree, crossed out again, and Sword. Like that one had changed hands a few times. Baintronics, yeah. Doom, Heavy Metals, Stark Technologies, and one that I couldn't quite make out the name of, Oldenoff or something like that, and there was text on either end that was there. And I'm like, okay, just the Easter eggs as I flip a page. Oh, they've got something from this other group. Oh, this other, it seemed like every version of Stark Industries, Stark Technologies, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was amused by that. It had nothing to do with the story. That's funny. <laughs> It, it's sad when I find the Easter eggs in the issue more interesting than most of the past issues of the book. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I do miss Marvel Space, which I feel is messed up right now. I miss the Kree and the Skrull and how they used to always fight, and now they're wiped out, you know? So I, I don't like that. I, I, I think Marvel hopefully fixes that and we can make space interesting again without the mutants flying around out in space. Make space great again. Yeah. Like, like it, it was really enjoyable in the past. I love the Kree Scroll War, you know, and that, that kind of stuff is gone. Well, or when we'd get Nova or the Guardians of the Galaxy, I kind of prefer the classic version than the newer version, but, you know, whatever. Uh, definitely having a good space book would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Marvel Space is just kind of like, it's been gone for a while. So that's uh, maybe for my year in spotlight, that'll be a pick. We'll see. Well, it's kind of funny because on a TV side of things right now, we're between seasons of Star Trek. We obviously haven't had a Stargate in forever in a day. 
going to be a while before Doctor Who comes back on until like November or something. So kind of on TV, I'm, I'm angling for a good space show coming up. I think there might be one too, but I'm oh. looking forward. Anyways, neither here nor there for the comics. So yeah, Marvel, uh, by and large, decent month. Not much that was just, oh my God, but not too much that was, geez, why did they do this? Yeah, I would agree with that. Move on to the others. Let's do that. I only got 14 comics in this area, so not a whole lot. I got 21. Which is way less. I used to get the 40s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got the final issue of Breakout. I thought that was fun. Cool. It, Breakout. Oh, that was the one by Kaplan, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. I think I picked up the trade based on you saying you liked it. You know, it's funny because there was something about this. Now, first off, issue three came out in August. So it kind of lost track of the story. It's like, okay, I was able to get back into it. But, you know, there was an aspect about this that made it shift from seeming like a movie to a TV pilot episode, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Interesting. All right. Well, I'm going to read the collection. I can't tell you when I'll read the collection, but I will read it. Fair enough. <laughs> did you have anything stellar? Because I did have two that were awesome. I would say the other one that was really good for me was Star Trek Strange New Worlds, The Illyrian Enigma Number 1. Ah. And it felt like an episode of Strange New Worlds in all of the right ways. Nice. So nice. I was happy with that. And it's kind of bridging the gap between the first and second seasons. Very cool. Well, I'll tell you the two that I really love the most. Okay. okay. These were like like A pluses, you know, the better than anything at Marvel or DC that I read. And they're both independent. One was by Daniel Warren Johnson. It was, I yeah, the final issue of Do a Powerbomb, number mm-hmm. seven. And it's a wrestling book. And I'm honestly, since the 1980s and 90s, I have not watched wrestling. I am not into wrestling. I used to be into wrestling, but I picked it up because I like Daniel Warren Johnson. And when he's on, he's very good. And I think it's because I went into it with no expectations. It was almost like that murder Falcon. Oh. He did. Did he? I think he did that. But it's a father and daughter. They get caught up in their match and they go to the finale. They make it to the final fight. Now, they had something happened in the previous match where it wasn't expected. And who they go up against, you will never guess. And the match plays out, and the ending has like some emotion tied into it, where you actually felt something. <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but it was very, it was very touching the way that the story played out. Nice. And I think the collection will be very good. And I think anybody, even if you're not a fan of wrestling, would enjoy the book if you pick it up and read it just for what it is. It's it's a super cool book. And it ended with some emotional tones that you're just like, this is awesome. And it felt very satisfying. Cool. So very nice. Now, the other one that I thought was a fantastic issue was a number three. And it was Junkyard Joe by terrific writer at DC, Jeff Johns. And this is him doing his independent Geigerverse or whatever mm-hmm. it's called over at Image. And it's slowly becoming one of my favorite comics because, one, I like war comics. This is like a Vietnam War vet who's an older guy. He did a comic strip on this thing. And we delve a lot into the family that lives next door to our retired cartoonist. And the kids are having a rough time moving in from San Francisco to Indiana. So their dad's working remotely. He's like a, a tech guy. You know, I don't know if he's a programmer, database. I don't know what it is they said, but I can't remember. And he wanted a change. Because, and once again, it ties into emotion. His wife had died a a year ago. And so he uprooted because he has all the memories living in the house in San Francisco. And the kids are having to deal with all the new stuff, the problems that they're dealing with at school. And they're like, we didn't want to come here. We want to have the memories of mom. You can't deal with it. Why'd you drag us out here? And so it's like that type of heartbreaking stuff. Mm -hmm. 
And the dad's trying to go to the cartoonist and can you meet with my daughter? You know, trying to make him happy you know, because she used to love the cartoon. And he's like, leave me the heck alone because he's <laughs> dealing with a robot in his house that showed up for the Vietnam War. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's just really cool story. Really good. I enjoyed it. I thought it was terrific. Cool. Yeah. So very good. If you like some emotion in your comics, those two are really doing it for me right now. So how did you feel about the end of Gun Honey, Blood for Blood? That's less emotion, probably more action, but still. Yeah, it was a decent ending to the series and lots of action, but I felt like this series was not as good as the original Gun Honey. That's fair. I think it was fun, but I think the first one set up stuff a little better and had a little more kind of gut punch or whatever at the end almost. I, that's me too. There was no real ugh at the end. <laughs> yeah, I, to me, I also had in my notes, decent end of the story. Yeah, and now Which, I'm waiting for the TV show. Well, it's funny though, because there's going to be another Gun Honey miniseries late in 2023, but then they, and this is where the text piece at the end, I think, could have been written or at least edited a little bit better. There was mention of another miniseries starring, I think it was Dahlia Racers, that might lead into that Gun Honey story. Oh. But it's like, give me the title of the other book and when to expect that then. I didn't even read that, so now I may be missing something that I might actually enjoy reading. They haven't solicited either, and the the Gun Honey one's not going to be until like late 2023. So we're hoping we can remember when it comes out. Yeah. Ah, frustrating. But it was a decent ending. It was. It was. It was It was fine. Again, I think the first story was, was better, but it had a bit more shiny newness at that point, too. Yeah, I agree. Now, did you read the new Mark Millar book? He, he came out with one called Night Club. Nope. Okay, I did get that as a vampire type thing. It it was good. It's not great. But, you know, a nightclub, it reminded me of Invincible a little bit, the way it started up. Mm. A kid who gets vampire powers, let's say, and trying to figure him out on his own, you know? Mm-hmm. It's good for the modern day vampire type story. But, you know, you get a kid who's doing stunts on his bike, becomes a quadriplegic, you know, stuff happens. <laughs> and in the hospital, for some unknown reason, at least unknown to this point, vampire comes and turns them. And I'm like, yeah. why Why he turns them? We don't know. It's not told to us. So I'm like, that's confusing. I'm like, I'm assuming he's going to tell us. I don't just randomly pick somebody. It feels like a story where things are just happening without there being a sensibility to it or clear sensibility. Exactly. That's where I'm like, I'm a little off kilter with it. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool. You know, you see him freaking out and he runs out of the hospital and then he's like kind of burning in the light, ah, catching on fire. And the guy runs out there with a trench coat and throws it over and is like, hey, man, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, I mean, it, it, it's it's like an invincible vampire story. It's the best way I could describe it. And right now it's good. It's not great. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, number two came out. That's that Jason Aaron book I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. And this story is good. It's not as good as the first one, but it's still good. And it teeters between a young adult's coming of age book and a post-apocalyptic horror show. So it's very weird. It teeters back and forth. It's not for kids. There's cursing and stuff in it. At the same time, it feels like YA at times. And the two characters learn to respect and learn from each other in the wasteland, which is kind of cool. So there was a moral to the story. Yes. Yes, there is. <laughs> but I- I'm actually still really enjoying it. I mean, cool. There- what else are you enjoying? It's funny because so many of these things are, I mean, you know, gun handling and breakout, they're ending. I got the two issues of Walking Dead Deluxe. This is one of those where I'm not going to say it was a great part of the series for me. It was 52 was a little slow and the walking to deluxe 53. We get some new characters entering the story. And it's funny because 
One of them claims to know how the zombies all started and such. And I'm like, I've read to the end of the series, which is another, uh, what, 140 issues or something? Yeah. And we never learned that? So, okay, young Kirkman, you, you, you fooled us on that, you know? So, it's fun. Not one of the high points of, of the series for me. Most of the rest of the stuff fell into the, it was, it was good, but not great. The Power Rangers TMNT 2 crossover had some interesting stuff. It, it's funny. There was a two page spread where you've got to kind of read up the right page and it had arrows, but I still managed to read it in the wrong order out of habit. Wow. And, and that one's also kind of weird because we've got Tommy as the Green Ranger over there. Okay. When over in the, the Power Ranger comic, he's the White Ranger, and there's a different guy being the Green Ranger. Oh, okay. So, not wrong. It just felt weird. And they introduced an Evil Ranger that had kind of a cool look. So, it's got some fun stuff, and we may see... I mean, out of the first one, we saw some pretty cool crossover toys. Cool. With the Turtles as Rangers that I've, I've picked up and enjoyed. Very cool. That was fun. Got the regular Power Rangers stuff. It was all right. I felt like I should have recognized the character kind of revealed at the end, but I didn't. I mean, I've got to guess who it might be, but it kind of undercut the drama of the reveal. Very cool. Now, I'll tell you something that I thought was good, which I know you're not getting, but just in case you're looking to get a trade in the future, first up, get a, do a power bomb. It's really good. Traveling to Mars, remember I told you about that? Yeah. The second issue, it was still good. It wasn't, it, it's very weird. It's once again, an emotion book. You know, he's flown from, by an evil fake meat corporation <laughs> to Mars. Mm -hmm. But the AI that's on the ship with him, it's kind of like childlike. They're learning. And so they're kind of doing things and he yells at them at one point. And then he feels so bad because he's like, they're almost like kids. Why am I yelling at these things? You know? Yeah. And so there's like stuff like that. And he's able to speak to his mom, but he can only speak to his mom when she goes to the corporate headquarters because they want to monitor what she says. Of course. Yeah. So she got $10 million in unlimited fake meat. But, you know, she doesn't want to lose her son, mm -hmm. but he's doing it for her. And taking care of them because I'm going to die of cancer anyways, and you don't have to deal with all the, you know, me yeah, yeah. going through all this. But so it's like very tough emotional things, but it, it was good. And then Year Zero, number three, it's not as good as the first year, but it's still a good read. And this is on the origins of the outbreak. But there's one that I, I did enjoy that I wanted to talk with you about when okay. Vanish by Donnie Cates, number four. Okay. I don't know what it is. But I feel like Vanish, it started off very strong. The first issue was awesome. The second issue was kind of, all right, a lot of world building and some stuff thrown in there. Issue three, it's like, okay, you're losing me a little bit. Issue four, I'm like, the story's just not written well. It's not working for me. The art is awesome. The art is the star of this. And I may be out after an art. And that's not something I normally say about Donnie Cates. I can see that, though, because I think with a new title, the number one issue has a lot of advantages, starting from a blank slate. Yeah. So you know you're going in there trying to explore this new world, anxious to learn about it, that sort of a thing. The, the premise really got you excited, presumably, because that's why you're reading it or something like that. Yeah. By the time you hit that second issue, you know the premise. You've read the first issue, presumably. It's lost the shiny newness. Mm -hmm. It's now got to pick up on the story from where it left off that you may or may not remember it. Whereas in the first issue, it's all right there. Exactly. It's all immediate. And then as you keep getting further from that first issue, if they try to keep one-upping themselves, that's a losing game. Yet if they don't, you, they may bore you and stuff. And all they had to do in the first issue is really set stuff up, hopefully get to the premise point, ideally get a little past that, 
but so many times it's a story about X and you get the, it's a X moment at the end of it. And then kind of, I don't say the real story starts, but the second issue, third, fourth and stuff, it's easy for it to lose steam, particularly if it's not tightly written, if it's not well edited, or if the pacing is just a little off. And that's what I feel is happening. What you described is exactly what's happening. It hooked me with the first issue, and then it's slowly losing me with every subsequent issue because he's trying to do this balancing act of doing world building, a little bit of story progression, and introduce almost too many characters to where it creates confusion. And, and, And so I think it's something where once he's done and it's collected in the casual I say casual reader, the collected editions reader picks it up and they read it. They'll be like, this is fantastic. And I'll be like, but if you read this over a year, it's not fantastic. <laughs> it, 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 it's very trying and it's difficult. Well, it's great that the first issue hooked you, but that's insufficient. It, very insufficient. Yep. And I'm going to use an analogy that may be fundamentally flawed, but it's kind of like how I imagine a railgun kind of works with, with magnets and stuff where that first one is grabbing the thing and moving it forward. That's the hook. But that's not enough. It's got to move it far enough down that that next magnet in the series can pick it up and move it further down, all the way in sequence. So if it's not ending each issue on a moment that's pre-selling you and pre-exciting you about the next, and that next one gets you smoothly back into the story, moves it enough forward that you're not only through that issue, but feeling like you're almost partway into the next, and if they can't be doing that handoff, it fizzles. Or if the handoff, if the magnets are spaced too far apart, if the issues are too far apart, you don't get that handoff. We talked about that on Dark Knights of Steel. We talked about that on a few other things. Yep. It happens way too often. It fizzles, it stalls the story. And it, this is going to sound, I don't I don't want it to sound bad or accusatory in any way, but it seems like it's become the standard operating practice that if I'm going to do a book, an independent book, but image, whatever, but typically image, I'm going to give you five or six issues, and then I'm going to take off for three months. And then I'll revisit the property. And there's an expectation that because of my reputation, you'll be there and you'll pick it up. And I'm going to do nothing to catch you up. You haven't read this book now for three or four months, and you may or may not remember what's going on. And it was even worse when it happened with Saga, yeah, where he took a two or three year hiatus. And I picked it up just to say, okay, how's he going to get me caught up? He isn't. He expects you to go back and read all of his trades and pick this up and read it like he did take three years off. And so I took that personally as a reader as a slap in the face. I dropped the book. I said, I'll pick it up and buy it when it's done if it gets good reviews. I don't think I'm overstating things to say that while uh, Saga was on hiatus, the world fundamentally changed. It did. And even without that, a two or three year hiatus is, is hard to overcome. It can be. And I think there have been times where a story comes back after a long absence and people are just very excited and able to get back into it. But that's the exception, not the rule. And I think when creators do an arc, take a little bit off, come back, some of that is they can't keep up the monthly schedule. That's a problem in and of itself, potentially. Or financially, they need to get the money coming in from the thing, the miniseries, to print the the trade to, to afford the next thing, or they need time to put it together lead time or what have you. All of that can be kind of worked if you've got the money. Let's face it, a lot of these people understandably don't. Yeah. So there's definitely some challenges there. There are challenges. (laughs) If you've got a strong enough story, if you've got good enough marketing and engagement with your audience and stuff, you can bridge some of those gaps. I would agree. Uh, One thing, not to get too sidetracked, which, yeah, now I'm going to sidetrack you. 
That's a warning. I'm going to sidetrack this whole conversation right now. <laughs> I read a lot of manga when we, we, we took two weeks off recording you and I together. Yeah. Just for the vacation and all. And when I was reading it, I was really enjoying what I was reading. And it made me step back as a, as a single issue reader and realize something. The people in Japan who buy those big phone books, which is how the manga comes out, because you'll see splits like every like 20 or 30 pages in there. Mm-hmm. They're reading little snippets every like this one month, maybe this the next month, and they're having to wait. That story is so spread out. And if I had to read it like that, it's kind of like really reading single issue comics. It's, it's, it could be difficult. It could be, but I think they're writing in very clear chapter increments, and I'm unclear on the gap between installments. Yeah, I don't know what the gap is. That That is correct. I don't know because I know the art is typically a little more simplistic. Maybe it's not a month. Maybe it's, I was thinking it was a week. I don't we, know. If it's weekly, that works because if you get 20 pages a week, it keeps like momentum going as long as mm-hmm. you're buying the phone book. But this one month and 20 pages, I seem to like enjoy reading in these big chunks, I, whether it's through you know Marvel Unlimited or DC Universe app or a trade because it it's very difficult to read single issues in today's world. Yeah. And it always was, but I think it's even more so difficult because the writers have become older. You and I have become older, our brains. <laughs> and they're writing the long narrative, the book, that's taking six to eight months to 12 months, and it just doesn't work when you're spreading it out so far apart. Well, jumping back to DC for a second on why it's harder to read now than it used to be, that Emerald Knight, John Stewart thing, is playing off a story that was last touched in April. So, I mean, they had time to do a full another arc in between. They just didn't. Yeah. And is also incoherently out of sync with what had happened with the Justice League back in April and since then with the whole Dark Crisis and all of that stuff. So it used to be back in the day, you could read Marvel and DC Comics, and what was happening that week, give or take a week, but usually what was happening that week felt like it was happening that week across the books or whatever. Not that there was ironclad, tight continuity, but things that happened before were published before. Things that happened later were published later. Now that's totally out the window. Yeah. I mean, the the Kal-El Returns storyline, it's like, well, is he returning from being off at War World or from having died with the, the Justice League? Cause yeah, it which one? like both. <laughs> yeah, it was so bizarre. It, it, a little bit frustrating. So I, I, I feel like I'm becoming more frustrated as a single issue reader reading the singles as I get older and I see the flaws. Yes. And can we fix that? No. Is anyone going to fix it? I don't think so. I, I, I think they're just expecting us to live with it. And unfortunately, the way I live with it is I cut the things that irritate me. Well, and I think comics are having problems today that I never would have imagined when I was getting into comics originally. One book that I may not so much cut, but just not pick up the next group of Resident Alien Book of Love. Oh, okay. Got the second issue. It was good. All of the differences between the comic and the show kept jumping out at me, and it was getting distracting. Mm, yeah. You know, I've got a, a very conflicting set of, of live-action versions of these characters versus what's on the page, and the stories, the situations, all of that stuff. It's incompatible properties, yet it's the same property. Completely different. We read it. It's a very serious crime book. Nope. It's total yuck, yuck jokes. <laughs> like, yeah. what is, what's going on? <laughs> so different. It was bizarre. <laughs> I mean, imagine if you had taken the TV show, ripped out the laugh track, 
treated it almost like a mix between Murder, She Wrote and threw it on the Hallmark Mystery Channel or something. You're like, what is this? <laughs> so I, I think we're living in an era where the writing style and the way we're reading and living our lives and stuff are in some cases a little incompatible. Yeah, I would agree. I completely agree. And the only thing I can see that changes in the future is is my reading list and how I choose to consume material in the future. I mean, it's just, I noticed my reading list is getting a little smaller and it continues to get a little bit smaller just as I, I'm like, okay, this isn't working. That guy's not working. This book's not working. And every now and then I get excited and you get a gem and you love it. You know, I like the Mark Wade stuff he's doing at DC. Fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate there's not more of that stuff. Agreed. Agreed. And I would not be surprised if my reading list shrinks some more as we move forward. I agree. Hey, I'm there with you. Yeah. It's just, there's enough of this stuff that I'm liking fine. I was going to say well enough, but honestly, maybe not. Yeah. And I'm just at that point in my life where I'm like, if I'm not enjoying it, I feel like I don't want to waste time because I can just as easily play a video game, read a novel, or watch a TV show with my wife, or go and exercise. (laughs) Something else. I don't have to read a single issue that I'm not enjoying. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it used to be that if I hit a bad issue or even a stretch, it's like, ah, it'll get better later. Now I'm at the point where I read one comic this month where it hit a story beat that just bounced me so far out of the story that it's like, you know, I know I've got another issue on order, but don't think I'm going to have another one after that on order. I'm out. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh, it's kind of funny. Beating with you is kind of like a form of therapy. <laughs> Therapeutic reading. <laughs> we're, we're overcoming addiction here. <laughs> to a degree, absolutely. Yeah, it's hilarious, but it's fun too. I mean, I am... Just shy of, of 70,000 comics, I think. Uh, it may be over that, depending how badly off... Well, I know I've got more than that, because not everything's in my database. That's just a lot. I mean, I think I ha- I look at my comics and I get anxiety. Just 70,000 gives me anxiety, just the thought of that. <laughs> it doesn't give me any at all, but it's funny, because I know I've got two short boxes that are definitely not in kind of my... I don't say my official collection, but they've got its own kind of pedigree at some point I'll go into that that I just haven't haven't gotten into literally gotten into the box it's not that I'm not into the comics but yeah I mean for me having that is it's nice and good it, it takes up some space but you know it is what it is it's not a big yeah. deal I just checked mine I'm at 24,000 yeah not trying to catch you <laughs> no you should never try to chase somebody else's collection no that's insanity <laughs> it's a losing battle yeah it's expensive too yeah so I mean overall this is it was a fine month, but it wasn't. There wasn't that much that really stood out. Of wow, this is exciting. Yeah, and I, I'm hoping I'm chalking that up to it's January. January and February are typically slow, and then we start heating up. I'm I'm hoping we have better things to come. But there are a few, like I said, it's still a few good things that are out there. It's not all doom and gloom, but like it it just feels like a January. Like eh, after the holidays. Eh. Yeah. I think for me, what was interesting is there was one week as I was going through. I think it was the DC books. Where it's like, actually, most of these, I'm more interested than average. Because that week, I think it was the week of the 21st. Oh, yeah. They had a lot of stuff. Batman and Robin, Batman Superman World's Finest, Dark Crisis, Nightwing, Stargirl, and also, well, Flash. I wasn't too excited about that. Which is sad. I'm reading the Flash off the rack forever in a day. So It's like, get rid of this Jeremy, whatever his name is. There's something about a lot of the modern writers where even if they've been on a book forever and a day, they don't have 
the mind share in my brain that a lot of the writers back in the eighties or whatnot kind of had for me. Yeah. You know, even the, the, I would say even as if it was some kind of less than great thing, but like Paul Cooperberg and, and people like that who wrote just a, a ton of great comics, even if they never were really at that AA plus superstar level for some reason. Yeah. You know, a lot of solid creators back then. I agree with you. I completely agree. There's just, it seems like there's fewer and fewer must read writers every year. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them age out and some of them go on to do other things. I mean, you know, Peter David, I hope he's okay, but he, he keeps going into the hospital. He's a really good writer and he won't be with us much longer at this rate. He, he, he's had strokes. He's had heart attacks. He's, I hope he's okay. I, but I just read his Joe Fix It. That's spoiler. That's for January. But, and I'm like, man, I love this. I hope, I hope he writes more of this. I really do. I hope he does too. Actually, I hope he writes more Star Trek novels. I think he does a better job there than some of the comics. And he does really well on the comics. Yeah. But I mean, he's had, I won't say health issues. I mean, he had a stroke, what, 10 years ago, whatever. So it's yeah. not like this is brand new. And as you get older, these things are a little more likely to happen. That doesn't make it any less tragic or any more acceptable. Yeah. And I certainly hope we don't lose him anytime soon, because I've enjoyed a lot of his work over the decades. Yeah, I, I hope not. It's just, it's it's scary because like you don't want to say he's irreplaceable, but the quality of the new writers coming in, most of them aren't up to that Peter David level. You know, they're few and far between. I question if it's they're not up to that level or we're not getting that level of enjoyment out of it because the way they're going about the craft is fundamentally different in ways that make it harder for us to get that level of enjoyment out of it. That, that's what I'm leaning towards. And I'm, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's something a younger generation would enjoy, but I'm, I'm just not enjoying a lot of it. Well, I think for me, I have certain expectations based on when I get into comics, storytelling techniques that do work for me, some that just don't. And I've got enough going on in my life right now that story threads that may have held for me for a good couple of months when I was a kid don't these days. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or they're going for the slow roll and I just don't have the patience for that maybe these days. I think it, that maybe that's what it is more so is I'm getting to the point where I'm not patient enough to wait a year for you to get to the point. Just like, you know, you're talking about Heartless with, with Nightwing. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, let's do something with this. Quit teasing it. It's been two years, you know? <laughs> yeah, let's, tell the story or don't. Get to the point. <laughs> There's a saying with profanity that I will not use, but it applies here. Something about yeah. getting off the pot. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, and it's funny because I don't expect everything to get revealed in the first issue at all, you know, come out immediately, whatever. Having some stuff build over time is awesome, but it has to build over time. It's got to pay off over time. And a lot of the stuff these days isn't. Yeah. No, it's very true. And I, it's funny because you listen to your Legion spotlight, so you're like, I'm amazed they get this much story in this thing. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. I'm reading some of the stuff from 60 years ago, and in the span of 13 to 17 pages, sometimes less even, they plow through all of this kind of stuff. Now, granted, it's a little more rushed of a storytelling style than we've got today, different sensibilities, different audience, etc. But so much is happening there. Yeah. Compared to today, I mean, you take a look at the, the one-year run that Bendis had of the Legion. Nothing happened. <laughs> and compare that to any stretch of, of 12 months back in the, the 60s or whatever. And often they had fewer pages, even if they were in more issues. Yeah. Just because they were smaller stories, et cetera. But it's funny. It's, yeah, one of those issues, you, a writer today could stretch it out to a year, year and a half. And you're just like, ugh, whatever. 
when you used to be able to say this was the story in which thus and so joined the legion or this happened or this person you know whatever it was an event in the f- an event a an incident a a an activity a story thing whatever you want to phrase it as an installment an episode it took place inside the issue not sprawled over seven issues and a zillion crossovers or whatever yeah superman would have been back in a panel <laughs> he's back <laughs> well i mean you go look at the just imagine stuff we did on a recent back issue spotlight you got that superman got kicked across the galaxy and he was back two pages later <laughs> that's stan lee for you yeah, now we're up to seven issues of it. <laughs> Just funny. It's funny. Yeah, absolutely. So we got a couple of things coming up. We're going to be doing Spider-Man Life Story soon. We've got the early comic spotlight, which I've still got to start putting my notes together for that. I have not done that. I barely got the comics written time for this. Cool. We've got the classic Avengers Forever from 1998, I think it was, we're going to be doing. Yep. Multiversity is coming up. We're going to do those in three issue chunks for three issues. Beyond that, a couple of the things we've talked about, nothing we've really locked down on, and the order of some of these things may f- may flip around a little bit, depending. But if if people have thoughts, if listeners have thoughts as to what they'd like to hear us talk about, definitely uh, let us know. Yeah, let us know if you, there's something you really want us to. And and please don't say what was it, the night thing, night down or nightfall or whatever. Nightfall, it was. yeah, yeah, that's what it was. It was like. Yeah, that's like uh, 1,800 pages of material. Yeah, you can ask for something that takes three omnibi to, 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 to do, and that's a great request. <laughs> Not going to happen. <laughs> some of this reading takes a while. I tend to take some notes and stuff. I've actually been surprised. Like the, the latest, uh, as we record this, the one, the uh, Legion Spotlight that just came out, that took me a couple of evenings to do. And it was great fun to do, but it was also, what, a 35-minute episode? Yeah. Jeez. I mean, yeah. there's not only just the recording time on that, but I went through like six issues or something, and there's the reading, you know, what I want to talk about. Yeah, anyways, anyways. But if people have back issue spotlight suggestions, or even on what they're reading in the month they want to hear our thoughts on with the monthly comic spotlight, we do take questions on these, and if you want to know what we thought, ask. Cool. And if you're curious about what I got, I'm putting up videos almost every week. Sometimes I get a little behind, but uh, but yeah. And they're good videos. I'm glad you enjoy them. I, turn on the commentary. Listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> still got to work on the lighting. I changed some stuff up and still getting some glare on the comics. Got to work on that. Anything else? No, that does it for me. Cool. Recording clips for the preview spotlight episodes is easy, and we've got an open submission policy for these episodes. Please send in clips to support the comics you love as often as you can. If you'd like to get email reminders for the preview spotlight episodes, you can join the emailing list on the main page of the comicbookpage.com website. The deadline is typically the second Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Check the main page of the website for more information and the exact deadline for the next preview spotlight. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.